Welcome back to Heroes of the Faith, a show where we are inspired by the lives of the saints so that we can become saints ourselves. I am your host, Isaac Longworth, and today I'm talking about a saint who was actually a pope. He was so influential during his papacy that he was given the nickname by popular acclaim of the Great. The Great. What an epic nickname. What a title, a legacy to leave behind. Now, this saint heroically defended the church both from false teachings, but also defended his people from brutal invaders who was threatening their very lives. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Pope Saint Leo the Great. Now, Leo was born in Italy. He was born to an aristocratic Roman family, but he was born at the very end of the Roman Empire, at the twilight of the Roman Empire, one of the most powerful and most influential empires that history has ever seen was coming to an end. You see, the Roman Empire had been weakened by many different things. It had been weakened by outside attacks. Barbarians had been chewing away at the borders of Rome, taking different territories for itself. They were divided amongst each other. Different Roman leaders were trying to vie for power over the whole empire. Uh, some of the leaders of Rome had been weak or had been cruel, and so they had lost the trust of their people. And all of this combined led to the crumbling of one of the greatest empires that the world has ever seen. Now, the Roman Empire, for over a thousand years, had united most of the known world. It was the center for culture. It was this military imperial power that united all of the nations that were within it, keeping peace and stability. But all of this was ending, and the world was in a state of turbulence. No one knew where they were heading. Now, into this time of chaos and confusion, our Saint Leo was born. He was, in fact, raised in this time of chaos. And while we don't know what his early life was really like, we do know that God must have been using this time of disturbance, this time of, of upheaval, to prepare him to lead the church through a period of great crisis. Now, we do know that by the year 422 AD, Leo was ordained as a deacon of the church in Rome. And Leo was known as a deacon to be an excellent administrator. He had gifts in diplomacy and conversation and organization. He was recognized, in fact, for these skills by the Pope himself and even the Emperor. And both of these men would send Deacon Leo on missions all over the Roman Empire to reconcile feuding leaders. So if generals of the army were in conflict with uh, Roman politicians, or if perhaps bishops were fighting with each other, Leo would be sent to bring peace and reconciliation through his skills of diplomacy. Now, in the year 440, while Leo was in the region of Gaul, which is modern-day France, which was a territory of the Roman Empire at this time, while he was there on one of these diplomatic missions, the Pope in Rome died. And Leo was chosen by popular vote to be the next pope. Even though he wasn't even in Rome, he was in France at the time, but he was chosen to be the next pope. And so Leo traveled back to Rome and was consecrated as Pope 
Leo the First. Now, Leo quickly realized in his new office as Pope that he needed to be a decisive leader. If he was going to lead the church well, he needed to be a strong leader in order to steer the church through this time of severe crisis that she was facing. You see, the Roman Empire, as we talked about, was collapsing. It was sending civilization, as the people knew it, into a spiral. Barbarian invaders saw the weak empire as an opportunity for pillaging. And even within the church, there was division. Christians were divided amongst each other. Bishops were sometimes fighting against other bishops. Sometimes even heretical teaching, false teaching, was spreading in sections of the church, leading whole groups of Christians astray. This was the crisis of the church that Pope Leo faced, but he faced it head on. He became a strong leader that the people needed when everything else seemed to be falling apart. Now, one of the biggest threats that was facing the city of Rome was actually an outside invasion from a barbarian tribe called the Huns. And Leo had to face the Huns himself because his bishop, was from Rome. He was the Pope of Rome. And so uh, the Huns were this barbarian tribe, and historians aren't sure of what their origin was. Theories are that they came from China or Kazakhstan. Uh, they could be an amalgamation of different uh, Asian tribes. But we do know that they were fierce, brutal warriors. And they came out of nowhere, sweeping through Europe, Europe burning everything and killing everyone in their path. Now, the Huns usually fought on horseback. They were known for when they went into battle, they would have these savage war cries, these screams that would terrify those who they were going to fight. Uh, as children, Hun warriors would have their heads tightly bound so that their skulls would be deformed, so that they would look more fierce when they grew older. They were savage killers. They were known to torture and even impale their enemies after capturing them in battle. And when they rode into battle, they would carry on their saddles the heads of those who they had killed before them in order to terrorize those who they were fighting. Now their leader was a savage man named Attila, Attila the Hun. And Attila the Hun, because of his uh, powerful demeanor, because of his violence, because of his savagery, he was nicknamed the Scourge of God. Now Attila and his Huns were on the doorstep of Rome. They were ready to storm the city, burn it to the ground, and kill everyone who lived inside. And Leo, as the Pope, was the bishop of Rome. He was the bishop of the city. But Leo decided that he had to do something to save his people. And he decided to go out personally and meet with Attila himself. Now, I'm sure his advisors were cautioning him, telling him that he had no way to change Attila's mind. He had no military power. He was just the leader of the church. What could he do? But Leo was resolute, and he marched into the camp of the Huns and demanded a meeting with Attila. Now, we don't know exactly what happened during their conversation, but we do know 
that they did in fact meet. And we know that after this encounter, Attila and his whole army of Huns left Rome in peace. They didn't attack the city. Now, historians don't know why this happened. They don't know if it was perhaps the fact that Leo, this unarmed leader of the church, came to talk with Attila and Attila was impressed by his bravery, by his courage. It could have been that Leo's natural skills of diplomacy were able to convince Attila to go and leave the city in peace. There's also some accounts that Attila, while talking with the Pope, had a vision of heavenly guards who were protecting the city of Rome. But whatever the case be, whether it be the natural skills of Leo in diplomacy or supernatural intervention from heaven, the city of Rome was spared, and Leo was seen as the savior of the city who had protected them from the wrath of the Huns. But Leo didn't only have to worry about outside threats from barbarians, he also had to deal with threats from within the church itself. He had to settle disputes between some of his own bishops, some of whom he was actually close with. In one case, Leo had to get into a conflict with another saint, a man named St. Hilary of Arles. Perhaps we'll do a show on St. Hilary later. But this saintly bishop had made some questionable decisions around the consecration of new bishops, and Leo, as Pope, had to step in and force him to stop. Now we can see uh, something important about this, is that saints aren't perfect. Here we have St. Hilary and St. Leo, two holy men who love the Lord, and yet they're in an argument with each other. And that's because saints are human. They make mistakes. They can disagree. They can even fight. And yet we see that Hilary was obedient to the Pope. Even though he was a bishop with his own diocese of Arles, he recognized Leo as the chief pastor of the church, and he was obedient. He did what Leo told him to do. And after their argument, the two reconciled afterwards. They became friends again. In fact, when Hilary died, Leo honored him, honored him in his death, declaring him Hilary of happy memory. And so we can see in this that even though Leo was a firm leader, he took decisive action when it needed to be done, even if it was with his own friends, he was still able to forgive and reconcile with his opponents, which is something that we can learn as we are journeying towards sainthood, deeper holiness for ourselves. We need to not be afraid to be the first to reach out in forgiveness, to reconcile, to make peace with those who we've had conflict in the past. That is what we can learn from Leo. While some of his other opponents were not so easily reconciled with, because unlike St. Hilary, some of the other bishops that he was fighting with would not be obedient to the Pope. They tried to do things their own way. During his papacy, Leo had to defend the truths of Christianity against so many different heretical groups. Heretical groups were these groups that were trying to teach different things about the faith, about Jesus, about scripture, in order to lead people astray with false teaching. So he had to do a lot to combat these heresies and preach the truth about who Jesus was. Some of the heresies that he fought were uh, Manichaeism 
and Priscillianism. These are big words. Uh, we're not going to be able to go into what all of these groups believed, but these were bizarre groups that tried to blend Christianity with other religious spiritualities. They tried to make this new religious spirituality out of pieces of Christianity. Now, these groups denied that Jesus truly became man. They denied uh, the incarnation. Uh, they had this whole pantheon, this whole group of all these different spiritual beings that they believed in, aside from God and the angels, and they denied parts of scripture. In fact, they added new ones, tried to add their own books to scripture, and Leo had to fight against these groups rigorously in order to preserve the true faith. Leo also had to fight against a heresy called Pelagianism. Again, another big word. It was just named after uh, the man who started it, who was named Pelagius. And Pelagius was teaching that we don't need the grace of God in order to become saints, that we can actually earn our own way to heaven on our own, through our own hard work, that we don't need to rely completely on the work of Jesus on the cross. And so Leo was insistent on the fact that we needed God's grace first and foremost in order to save us, that we can't earn it, we can't scrape our way back into good favor with God, that Jesus needed to take the initiative to come down, to become man, and die for us in order to make heaven available to us. So this is what Leo was teaching, and the Pelagians, including several deacons and priests who had fallen into this heresy, were trying to sneak back into the church without formally denying their heresy, and they would continue to preach it in a public way. So Leo put a stop to that. He forced all Pelagian deacon and bishops and priests he forced them to publicly denounce their heresy, to publicly renounce Pelagianism, and to publicly say that they agreed with what the church taught, that salvation comes through grace in Jesus, that we don't earn it by our own works. Now, one of perhaps the biggest heresies that Leo had to face during his time as Pope was a heresy called monophysitism. This is a, another heresy that threatened the church, and it was perhaps the biggest one that he had to face during his time as Pope. Now, Monophysitism uh, was a heresy that taught that Jesus was a divine person, that he was God, and that he became man, but that he did not have two different natures. Now, this can get a bit confusing because Christianity teaches that Jesus was a divine person who in the incarnation became man and that he had two different natures. He was fully divine and also fully human. You see, nature is just what we are. I am a human. That means I have a human nature. And so Christianity teaches that Jesus was truly God. He was God. And so he has a divine nature but he was also truly man. He was truly human, and so he has a human nature. But the Monophysites were teaching that Jesus didn't have two natures. He only had a divine nature. They taught that when Jesus became man, in a way, his humanity was swallowed up by his divinity. They used this analogy that if you drop 
uh, a drop in the ocean, that drop ceases to exist. It becomes one with the ocean. And so they said Jesus, his humanity, his human nature was swallowed up by the infinite amount of his divinity. Now, this heresy, which uh, originally started in Alexandria, Egypt, was spreading rapidly throughout the church. Uh, whole dioceses and bishops were becoming monophysite. And so Leo knew that he had to act quickly in order to preserve the truth of who Jesus was. So first, Leo wrote this huge letter, which was later called the Tome of Leo. It's this brilliant work explaining why Jesus had both natures, that he was fully human and fully divine. He had a human nature and a divine nature. But the Monophysite bishops who were in uh, disloyalty towards the Pope refused to listen. They were led by a bishop named Dioscorus, and Dioscorus refused to listen to what Leo was saying about Jesus and continued to teach his heresy of Monophysitism. In fact, uh, this heresy began to tear apart the church because uh, one of the bishops who was loyal to Leo was beaten up and killed by an angry mob of Monophysites. Uh, Dioscorus, who was the leader of this heresy, tried to excommunicate the Pope. He tried to say that the Pope was officially out of the church. He rejected his authority. The uh, Monophysite bishops actually called together a council without the authority of the Pope. They all gathered together to try and ratify their false teachings as church theology. And they reinstated clergy who had been uh, removed from their positions because they were teaching heresy. And so it was becoming a big problem. So in response, Leo decided to hold an ecumenical council in a city called Chalcedon, which is in Turkey. Now, an ecumenical council is when bishops from all over the world gather to settle a major dispute that is threatening the church. So if the church is going through some kind of crisis, some kind of argument has arisen, if it's deemed serious enough, the Pope can call a council where bishops from all over the world come to discuss the matter and find a solution together. And the Pope is the one who has to ratify this council in order for it to be legitimate. Now at this council in Chalcedon, monophysitism was officially condemned as a heresy. The Bishop Dioscorus was removed, and all the bishops who were uh, formerly loyal to this false teacher, Dioscorus, they either had to agree with the Pope, or they would suffer the same fate and be removed. Now, when you're listening to this, you might uh, think to yourself, Leo seems a little harsh. Why is he being so hardcore on these issues? Can't everyone just get along? Well, it may seem harsh. But we need to remember that at this time, the Monophysites were trying to twist the authenticity of the gospel. They were trying to twist the truth of the faith by denying the full humanity of Jesus. And this impacts our salvation. They were, in fact, teaching a false Jesus. They were teaching a false Christ. They were teaching that he wasn't truly human because he didn't have a human nature. But Leo recognized immediately the dangers of believing in a false Christ. He needed to defend the truth of who Jesus was so that his people, who he loved so much, would not be led astray, but would follow the true Jesus, 
who would lead them to salvation. He had to defend the authenticity of the gospel that had been passed on to him. So we can see from this that Leo was a pretty strong leader, that he had this burning love for his people that led him to go on the offensive to fight for their protection when it was necessary. He was willing to go face to face with barbarian invaders like Attila the Hun in order to keep them safe and keep their lives from being destroyed. He was also willing to go on the offensive against false teaching to defend them and keep their eternal life safe from error. But Leo was more than just a strong leader. He was also incredibly kind. He had a heart for the poor and the downtrodden. Leo organized massive charitable outreaches across the empire to take care of the poor and the vulnerable citizens that were inside of it. Because of all the barbarian invasions, uh, many of the people had had their houses and whole towns burned. And so they were wandering across the empire as migrants looking for a place to settle. Many of them were poor and hungry due to the crop shortages because their crops had been burned. Uh, there was also a collapsing of infrastructure, so it was hard to get supplies to different parts of the empire. And many people were going hungry and were in a state of famine. And Leo sought to care for and protect all of them. He saw that there was chaos from collapsing culture and that people were looking for guidance. And so he helped to keep discipline and order throughout the church by helping his priests and bishops to provide stability for their citizens. And so really the church became a leader for the people in a time when so many of their leaders seemed untrustworthy. Leo died in the year 461 of old age, after a long time being Pope, after many years of dedicated service to the church that he loved so deeply. Now, during his life, Leo had written many different letters, and he was also a very good homilist. He had given many beautiful, famous sermons, and we have hundreds of these letters and sermons today. And most of these letters and sermons were given to strengthen and encourage the church during this time of crisis. These writings, these homilies are so consoling and uplifting that because of them, along with his leadership of the church through so many of these storms that it faced, he was declared a doctor of the church. He has this honorific title of doctor of the church. And he also, as I mentioned at the start of the show, has earned the nickname the Great because his papacy was so influential that people soon after started calling him Pope Leo the Great. Now this great Pope is a great intercessor in heaven. He is standing before the throne of God right now, interceding for us. So let's pray to him that we can become saints like he was. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Saint Leo, we ask for a share in your leadership gifts, in your gifts of administration, so that we can serve our local parishes, serve the whole universal church with the same love and devotion that you did. St. Leo, give us courage to do the right thing like you were, that you were willing to stand up for what is right, that you were willing to go on the offensive to defend your people, to defend the truth, but also give us your heart of mercy, 
so that we can reconcile with those who we have had conflict with in our lives. St. Leo, you had a great love for the truth of the church. You had a great passion to defend the identity of Jesus, who he really is. Never let us be led astray by false teaching, but let us always remain close to the true Jesus in a close relationship with him like you had. Pope St. Leo the Great, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.